Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me. We are writers first, so check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com, 247sports.com slash Michigan. Big week, big week for the Wolverines, hosting Wisconsin at night. You know, lots lots of different storylines going on, lots to talk about, so we'll we'll handle some of your questions. Uh, you know, Steve kind of mentioned some of these recruiting questions we got. Either A, we're going to put those for our VIP members, so we're not going to give it away on a free podcast, or B, it's stuff that, well, frankly, we'll probably know a lot more about after the weekend. So we'll have lots of recruiting stuff uh, about this big visit weekend next week. There is a, a outline of kind of 10 key visitors that are visiting the Wolverines that I, I highly encourage you to check out that Steve did. Uh, already lots of people have checked it out, but uh, that's probably your one-stop shop for now. Anyway, Michigan football beat Maryland 42-21. Their fourth 20-point win in five weeks. Their fourth time scoring 40 points in a game in five. So things seem to be really, really clicking. You know, this this looks a lot more like 2016 than 2017. And it looks a lot more like 2016 and 2015 than Michigan has looked much of the decade. And it kind of seems like things are starting to come together. And then, of course, this is the stretch that we have talked about since January. It's been mentioned in all of our podcasts. Wisconsin... Michigan State on the road, you get a bye week, and then Penn State. This is this is the stretch that defines your entire season if you're Michigan. If you go 0-3, it's going to be a long, long offseason, regardless of how the rest of the year goes. It, you know, just losing to all those teams again, struggling in big games, you know, those national narratives, as as, as much as Michigan fans don't like them, they start to kind of have some truth to them if you go 0 and 3. If you go 1 and 2, your season's probably kaput. You know, maybe you can salvage an upset of Ohio State or or have a nice bowl game and then and then head into next year, but you are looking at a at least a three-loss season, perhaps more. 2 and 1, you're out of the playoff almost certainly, but you do have a shot at a Big 10 title, which I think Michigan fans would take just as happily as a college football playoff appearance. And and, and you kind of have some momentum. You have, you know, you're kind of in the group, but you're not quite there. And then if they go 3-0, well, buckle up because November will be a pretty memorable month. And that Michigan-Ohio State game would presumably decide a college football playoff team. So there we go. Rick Moody setting the tone with our question this week. Of course, if you want to ask questions, you can always tweet at me, underscore Zach Shaw. But Rick Moody says, crucial three-game stretch for Michigan. Prediction time. Uh, Probably not going to give you a concrete prediction, but what is the win-loss record the next three games? So as I mentioned, because people seem to really uh, get mad (laughs) at predictions, and they seem to hold us to them when really we don't know. But, Steve, we were kind of mentioning before the show, suddenly Michigan State loses at home to Northwestern. That game looks much more winnable than it did two months ago. Suddenly, Wisconsin, you know, did lost to BYU, did beat Iowa on the road, but didn't exactly set the world on fire against Nebraska, which does not look like a very good team right now. They won 41-24. Suddenly, that game looks winnable, especially at home. Penn State is a few weeks away. Hard, Really hard for me to tell 
I think this week will indicate a lot. Uh, but hard for me to tell what Penn State's going to bring. But suddenly, you know, this is looking up. Like this is looking like something that Michigan, who has also gotten a lot better in the last five weeks, offensive line looks much better, especially in pass protection. You know, the receivers look very good. Looks like they've got a star in Donovan Peoples Jones. Surprise, surprise. Jay Patterson looks good. The defense is starting to show a little bit of the bite that it had last year. It leads the nation in yards per play allowed and in total yards allowed. Top 10 in both pass defense and run defense. I don't know if there's going to be, I don't know if you have a prediction in mind, but especially these next two games. Big litmus test for the Wolverines. We'll see where they're at. We'll know what they're capable of. But it's kind of hard not to look at it and think they have a very good chance of being 2-0. and Yeah, I mean... You know, it's like I said before the show, I feel like Penn State could beat Michigan State by 50 on Saturday, and we're still going to hesitate to pick Michigan in that game. That's even true. Then, even, That's if, true. <laughs> even if Michigan comes out and blows out Wisconsin, uh, just because of that history there. Um, in East Lansing, like, yeah, and in, in the rivalry. The, right, the, the Michigan-Michigan State dynamic is so weird that I would imagine that there's a decent amount of Michigan fans out there that would almost want Michigan State to beat Penn State this weekend because if Penn State beats Michigan yes well no so because if Penn State beats Michigan State Michigan State season is essentially over save for the opportunity to beat Michigan (laughs) if they were but like you know what I mean though like I guarantee you there are people out there that are thinking you know well if they beat Penn State that means they still at least got a big 10 there other there are other goals that are still within reach but if they lose to Penn State their season comes down to what happens against Michigan you know and uh that's how weird and and bizarre the dynamic is between uh those two programs at this point (laughs) but yeah I mean but but just watching these teams and and watch and, and just on paper right now um I mean, I would think as a thing stand right now, Michigan would probably their their the line would probably be similar as it is this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe to, a like a minus eight or yeah, right where D'Antonio wants them, right? <laughs> and that's and again, yeah, it all goes back to all that. So. One thing I will say really quick because people say you know, oh, Michigan State always gives Michigan its best, and that's that's probably true, but. The idea, there seems to be like this thing growing that like no matter how many losses Michigan State has, they're going to have a very good chance of beating Michigan. In their last, well, in D'Antonio's tenure, they have had, well, let's say since 2010, they've had only two seasons where they lost more than three games. And so, so with the assumption if they lose to Penn State and they lose to Ohio State, that's more than three losses on the season. Michigan has won both of those games. So for what it's you know, right? You know it's if they're if they're knocked down like it depends on how they look because they did not look good against Northwestern they did not look good against Arizona State it's not like they have two or three weeks to fix everything like they didn't if, look good against Central no I well mean, they, didn't, they didn't even come close to cover I know I know it's Central and that they probably just kind of Central scored a lot late it. if I if I recall correctly yeah but it still wasn't you know central's not very central's also i believe one in five i mean they're like a bottom of the barrel mac team this year they're not they don't have a win do they i don't i thought they were one in five i could be wrong okay either way let's just okay let's just say they haven't won but um you know so yeah predictions wise uh yeah i'm not yeah so uh 
but it it is it is the kind of deal where if you you look at the trajectories of these three teams that they're they're playing that are coming up for this stretch, Michigan like appears to be the one team. I think Penn State probably by far the closest uh, teams that are just kind of steadily improving. Mm-hmm. You know, Wisconsin's battling some injuries. I was just reading on uh, MGO blog from uh, Brian McKenzie, who does a really good job with the uh, opponent breakdown. I like the, uh, I think it's like the opponent watch or whatever. Yep. Um, Wisconsin allowed 7.62 yards per play against Nebraska last week, which would have been their worst number since they got destroyed by Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game oh, in 2014. In wow. Yeah, that's bad when you consider how – I mean, it's not as if Michigan played Nebraska six months ago. They just played them three weeks ago, and, didn't, yeah. and Nebraska didn't even – I mean, that was complete suffocation. They could have uh, lost by 80 if Michigan yeah, felt like doing it. Yeah, exactly. So – um, you know, and I did a Q and a with Evan flood of our Wisconsin affiliate, you know, Evan does a, an awesome job yeah, over does. there. Yeah. Evan's great. Um, and gave a really good breakdown on the game. And he just, he said like, you know, Wisconsin's defense is in shambles right now, wow. you know? And so I think Michigan's getting them at an opportune time. And, uh, I, I think, you know, the other thing he mentioned, and, and this would obviously play in the, that 7.62 yards last week. Uh, Wisconsin not great at quarterbacks who can improvise at defending quarterbacks who can improvise and we've seen that part of Patterson's game kind of start to come to the forefront a little bit more the last couple weeks so yeah um, well and we'll yeah yeah I don't think you know I, here's the thing like that Northwestern loss doesn't look horrible anymore or win doesn't look like it was as bad as it did it looks better yeah 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 and 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 Maryland I mean they had a a they duffed against Temple, but they beat Texas at Texas. Wasn't it in Texas? No, it was in D.C. It was, was it at the Redskins Stadium. That's right. That's right. It was a, either way. Still beat Texas. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and Texas is looking like maybe the favorite in the Big 12 right now. Uh, so I, I think them dominating that game the way they did, which they did. I don't care if it was 7-3 to three late in the first quarter. Michigan had complete control of that game throughout. I mean, they had allowed never 47 out. yards through three quarters. Yeah, I mean, I so that game was never in, <laughs> that game was never in doubt, you know. Yeah. So, um, so I, I just this this does have a really positive feeling right now. I think a lot of the right things are happening. I think that that was I think that Northwestern win looking back is going to be pretty important. Um, yeah, and we didn't get to talk about it last week, but Harbaugh, right. I thought I thought he had a really important quote that said every good team he's been a part of has had a win like that. Yeah, that's things go wrong and you still win. Yep. You know, it's a little tricky in college football cuz like you don't get multiple losses, you know, like it's, you know, in, in the NFL, you can go 11 and 5, have a couple have a couple ugly losses and still win the Super Bowl. But um No, it's there's it's something the to it. Though. It's not it's not nothing, you know. Even when it, I think the 97 team, I think it was Iowa yeah. You know, where they really, Michigan really, really struggled throughout that entire game and, uh, you know, were able to eke it out in the end. You know, Iowa, I think that year was, they're all right. Um, but yeah, I do. I think getting punched in the mouth on the road and responding the way they did, you know, is, uh, I think that's a positive thing. You know, I think, you know, I do think the fast starts thing is something that, 
it's tangible to an extent. I mean, I think Michigan's red zone offense is going to need to pick it up a little bit these next three weeks. You know, I don't think they can squander as many opportunities. You know, they end up scoring, what, 42 against Maryland. I mean, that could have easily been 63 or 70. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, well, whatever, subtract. How many field goals did they kick against Maryland? Did they kick any? Uh, I don't. I can't 42, remember. 42, you know, is, is around. I wasn't number, there, so lines, but, <laughs> I didn't watch Yeah, that. that's right. Right, but. But either way, though, like they've had some, you know, that's kind of been one aspect. I mean, even against Northwestern, you know, they came back and won that game. They had three touchdown drives stall inside the 15-yard line. You know, Nordine had to kind of was kind of the bridge there to, to that victory. Yeah, they're 72nd um, nationally in red zone touchdown rate. Right. So. You know, and that, so I think I do think that's one area where they're going to want to, you know, like I don't think they can do that against, let's say, Penn State. So, um yeah, I mean, like I said, predictions, I, you know, whatever. Uh, I just, I just feel, I feel like Michigan's playing their best ball of the year right now. All three facets of the game seem to be clicking. Um, you know, it, the the funny thing to me about the stretch is, you know, going into the year, I think we had we would have said easily that Penn State was the game we'd have probably given Michigan the best shot to win in this right. stretch. Now it looks like it's going to be the most difficult game. But you know what? We um, don't know everything about Penn State either. I, They've played I, I one agree. one team with a pulse. Yeah. I agree. So So and that's yeah, and that's, you know, we'll know more about them by the time they get to Ann Arbor. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. there's zero doubt about that. So um I do think it's nice the one other thing too real quick. I think it is nice for Michigan that they do get their bye week in the middle of this stretch too. Um yeah. maybe would maybe been more optimal to get it before Michigan State. I would agree. Um, considering how physical, you know, Wisconsin likes to play. But if Penn State ends up being the best team, true. You know. Yeah, agreed. 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 So, so yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I think I think uh, the in addition to the red zone, you know, I every week I do some stat previews and stuff, and there's like one I call it miscellaneous, but it's really like some key factors in winning uh, turnover margin penalties, red zone, and third down. They're very good in third down. They're they're doing doing a nice job there, and I think that speaks to Michigan's ability to avoid third and long situations. But red zone penalties and turnovers haven't quite been there. That's that but that's really it. You know, I mean you look at every position group and we didn't do first half grades. We might do something after the you know, once they get to the bye week, but um but it's one of those things it's like Receivers look pretty good. Tight ends, quarterback, offensive line, despite the first game, has been, I mean, that's about as good of a response as you can ask for. They've given up one coverage sack in the last two weeks against teams that historically and both in this season have gotten to the quarterbacks. You know, and 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 defensive line banged up. We'll talk about injuries later on. Linebackers look Good, Kalee Hudson. I think that was a bit. That was very important for Kalee Hudson to have a game like he did on Saturday, Agreed. to to kind of get back into things. Not that he was like not playing well against Nebraska and Northwestern, but I think I don't know if he was thrown off or just like the play calling kind of lost on him or what. But right. Um. Uh. And then then the cornerbacks and safeties. I think are good. You mentioned the specialty. It's just starting to starting to see a path. I think is what I would I say. Special teams. What's that? I love talking. About, I love talking about special teams. Hey, we got we, Yeah, we do. It's one of those things where people are like, "Oh, nobody ever talks about Will Hart," and I'm just sitting there like, you know, I've probably mentioned Will Hart too much. No, we've <laughs> talked, no you can never mention the punter enough. He's yeah, still a top three 
valuable player for them so far this year, in my opinion. And hey, like I said, you know, I said it had way before this stretch started. If they were getting the production from Hart uh, that they were early in the in the first like three or four games of the season, um, if they continued to get that, and I think there was, I thought there was a good chance that they would win three of four, at least three out of the four big games they had left on their schedule. Um, I still stand by that. I just think, you know, Michigan's defense has looked strong enough to, you know, you continue to give them a longer field and they're going to more often than not force you to, to punt the ball away. Yeah. And, um, and Michigan's yeah. offense now with Patterson at the helm, much more apt at sustaining drives and keeping the defense you know, it's like almost a defense in a way, not on, this isn't a knock on them at all. It's just in a way, like they've almost been their worst enemy in the past, as far as like they would get offenses, other offenses off the field so fast <laughs> that Michigan's offense and Michigan's offense couldn't sustain drives that they'd be right back on the field. You know, it's like, and now like there's that a really nice harmony there in that, you know, Michigan's not going to score offensively every time they touch the ball, but if they, you know, say they get two or three first downs, you know, that's, that means two things. That means a, that they're probably going to be in a good spot field position wise when they punt and B, that means that this defense got a decent amount of rest, you know, through in the, at the course of a game. So, um, right. You know, so that remains important. And I think I, they're more equipped as... to just win football games, you know, like the, the battle, oh, like, you know, the physical, yeah. physical football against Wisconsin, like that's what Wisconsin Wisconsin would love to do, like a field position battle and win right. through the field goals and and the punts and kind of the Big Ten West brand right now. It you know, but Michigan seems more capable of doing it. You know, I agree. Yeah. So I'm waiting. Still wait. We're still waiting though. The one thing about Michigan that I think we're still waiting on is is a game where they force like four or five turnovers. Yeah. It's just still it hasn't happened for whatever reason. Um, I know there's been the talk about, yeah, they play a lot of man defense in the passing game, so they're maybe not going to pick off a ton of passes. But um, regardless, you know, for a team that produces as many – for a pass rush that produces as many quick, unnecessary throws and that creates as many tackles for a loss and sacks as they do, I just feel like that they're they're still due, you know, for a game where they force a – high amount of turnovers you know and then and maybe dominate a game I mean that's the other thing that you you think about you know even going back to last year you know they had a a poor offense and they had a great defense but they still didn't force a ton of turnovers uh and they still you know were in contention in in almost in every game last year except for Penn State you know in the fourth quarter and uh you know it is it's almost one of those things where it's like man in one of these big games if they force, you know, if they have like a plus three or plus four turnover margin, they could beat the pants off of a, a good football team, you know, and so or they could upset uh, a better football team, right? You know, in right. November, yeah, yeah. Right. I agree. So my for Rick's question, you don't have a prediction. I have a rough two and one prediction. Uh, there are some things I'm not sold on. Uh, again, if Penn State doesn't look good in October. I'm not necessarily going to that that can always change. You know, I, I had them going one and two. If you'd asked me last week, I had Michigan going one and two in this stretch, and then Michigan State looked worse than I thought they would look. Uh, you know, because they always do those close wins 
yeah, they, you know, they have their, and they so have their way of yeah. So like Utah State, Central Michigan, I didn't read much into it, and I think you could make a case Arizona State. That's no, te- no Big Ten team should ever schedule that game. Well, I was just gonna say <laughs> yeah. I, I wrote off I wrote off Arizona State as more of the anomaly than anything because of that. Not only and and their schedule is weird. Is like not only did they go out west, but they went they played late 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 at night. Um, and 10:45 kickoff. Yeah, and I believe it was uh, it was like over a hundred degrees on the field. It was. Yep. Yeah, you know, so like that was to me that of the more so than the close wins. I thought the Arizona State game was more of an anomaly than anything because there's just a lot of weird factors kind of going against them. But then, so I was I was like kind of thinking, okay, one of these two teams is going to beat Michigan, and then. Wisconsin, they look good, but not great against Nebraska. You know, they looked like it. They looked like it probably should have looked, and maybe Michigan overachieved a couple weeks ago. But all of a sudden, now you're looking at it and like, okay, well, they get two of these three games at home. One against probably the worst of the three teams from what I what we've seen so far. And then, so I've changed. I've added one. And if Penn State doesn't look especially good, or Michigan goes out and kind of uh, asserts its authority against Wisconsin Michigan State then maybe it changes but I'd say a rough two and one for now and I realized there was a question we we're going to ask first this one comes from Chad Smeaton I think it's a funny one it's always one I have an opinion on it's about the night games they, they are having a night game against Wisconsin 730 kickoff sounds like there's a non-zero chance that Penn State will be at night as well yep. I, I you know and and I think it has become relatively clear that Ward Manual or the Michigan Athletic Department misread the um, the night game minimum requirement rules. So <laughs> it sounds like the TV people can say Michigan can have a night game uh, more or less whenever it wants, but there is like some sort of uh, eventually you can say no, but it's, it, 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 they are certainly allowed to make that a night game if they choose to. But anyway, Chad Smeaton said, is it just Michigan fans and media that cry about night games and excuses, working too late, vandalism, too cold, unsafe, not enough police, etc." Or curious if other schools have the same complaints. Seems to me other schools, Penn State, etc., are more excited for the atmosphere. So, <laughs> it seems like every time they have a night game, Michigan Stadium has had six. Seems like every single time, there is, it's a thing. It's, it's, it's this thing that's like discussed. Like, ooh, do you like the night games? Do you not like the night games? And you're right, and, and Chad, Chad, you're right. Penn State, they do one every year, and it's like they're it's like Penn State fans Christmas. It's like the coolest thing in the world for them. And and LSU, they live for the night games. Now, now the South schools are probably more accustomed to night games because they've been doing them longer and because it's sometimes too hot down there. Like Arizona State, they can't play in the day. It's not safe because it's so hot. So you know, some places it's not as much of a thing, but yes, it does seem like Michigan. I think, Stephen, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think reporters complain about night games just about everywhere. Everywhere that it's not like you do a night game every week, it's like this thing that people are cranky about. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the funny things about that is like people that like people that complain about members of the media complaining about <laughs> night games is that they act like that they only work like 12 those 12 days of the year for the season (laughs) and that they don't have to get up at you know eight or nine the next morning and make sure they have their recaps and their analysis 
um, and then be back again to in Ann Arbor on Monday for media availability for the next game. And so it's just, it, uh, it's, I, I mean, covering night games, even not being in Ann Arbor sucks. I mean, we don't go to bed until like two or three in the morning. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing is too, I mean, it's not as great for the site. I mean, I'll just be honest with people out there about that. I mean, you'd much rather have like, that's why like noon against Michigan State's like a prime, the noon and the noon and the three thirty games are just so much then our stories because, come out at four, five, six, seven, right when yeah, everyone's people, on our and site. People, and yeah, yes. And many more people like read them and stuff, which is, you know, kind of what you, you want people to read the stuff that you do, you know? So, yeah. um, so no, it's a universal thing for sure. Um, Right. Like, I, I've definitely heard reporters griping about it. I got to say, the I think I think sometimes reporters make it a bigger deal than it is. Because, like, I've, I've, yeah. I've covered yeah. a good amount of night games. One, I love covering events that people care about. You know, like like the Notre Dame game and when, when Michigan State was at night last year. Um, you know, the Penn State game last year. That was so cool. That is so much more fun than covering some, like, you know, noon game. Uh, it's like then you just spend, like, a beautiful sunny day indoors. Like, I don't, I don't mind. I, I, it, but that is something where someone who lives three blocks away from the stadium and is young enough to stay up until 2 or 3 a.m. naturally, maybe that's a different situation for me. But as far as the fans, I think it is worse at Michigan. I think the reporters, that that is universal. Everyone, I, I, I've never... I haven't met very many reporters who would rather have a night game at other schools or things like that. But I think the fans, yeah, I, mean, just, yeah. I think, think the fans, sorry, think about it from that standpoint. You like 80% of the games are at noon. They're, they're much easier and much more enjoyable to cover from a work standpoint. So when it's not that you might hear people like make a comment, you know, it's not like anybody's on a soapbox, like throwing a fit about the game being at night. <laughs> just over, well, but it's, but it's usually more just like, ah, uh, that stinks. <laughs> kind of, Someday uh, you know. we should, we should do a podcast episode. That's just deciding whether media people are right or wrong to come or fans too. We can do, it can be a, sure. a complaint validation episode. Cause like, you know, <laughs> You know, people complain about people get mad that reporters complain about access. And I think that's a very, very justifiable complaint because like sure. that is like the access to our job. But then right. it's like people complain about the food. and I'm like, come on, man. Like, you know, <laughs> this is not uh, I don't know. So anyway, night games, probably somewhere in the middle. I, I get why I don't mind them. And I also do like when it's a game people care about. And it seems like the night games are a lot more fun atmospheres, which makes me really confused as to why, like, the athletic department and the fans have to make it so so difficult. You know, and I get that, like, they didn't do a night game until 2011, and I get that, like, there are actually things that make it harder, but, you know, recruits like night games. Penn State has turned their night game basically into one of the best home field advantages in all of sports. You know, the night game is when you get the national exposure more often than, you know, like like people are really focused on one or two games. And and it's just cool. I mean, you get to, you know, the Michigan fans who don't like night games, I'm always like, okay, well, you get to party all day and then, you know, watch football, watch the biggest game of the day, 
you know, like this week. <laughs> you know, it's like right. It, so, so I think I think Michigan makes it more difficult because they went so long without it and they won without it, and and it, it does get cold. It's going to be cold on Saturday, and it's one of those things that's like you know, with Michigan athletics, they fill the stadium in day games. Not every school does that. Michigan right. State even doesn't do that, and that's not a it's not a dig at Michigan State. That's an example of a team that's been very very good in the last decade and still can't necessarily fill their seats. Wisconsin, you know, they had a they had a day game against Michigan last year and it was like 40% full when the when kickoff started. It's like game day was there for the big game, but you know, no one was really getting there on time and so and, and I don't think they ever actually filled it up even. So, you know, yeah, it does it's like comically like like when I hear you know, Ward Manual or Michigan spokespeople like, like, oh, you know, we'd love to have more than two weeks notice to like, you know, prepare the city and everything. And I'm just kind of like, you know, no one else has this problem. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, no, I, I agree with that. <laughs> definitely. It's like, this is not a, this is not something. And like the fans are like, oh, I hate, you know, and, and, and Michigan fans do travel from further than like, say, Georgia or Alabama, but, or Texas. But it's like, you know, I don't know. It it's always something that that kind of makes me chuckle cuz it's like like I am just trying to like think of like uh you know like like any other sport where this day game night game situation has this sort of divide. It's like I don't know. I guess Cubs fans are kind of like that where they like day games, but like I don't know. For me it's you can have it whenever. Night games are a lot of fun though. So it should be fun. I think I think it could be fun on Saturday. Well, it's always a better atmosphere too. At Mich- even at Michigan, I mean, I think it's always louder. Uh, I think the, you know, I think it's more raucous. I do think it's a legit home field advantage, um, which Michigan doesn't always have. I think was right. it was it Devin Gardner who was talking about how Michigan like opponents kind of chuckle at Michigan's like when they talk about how big the crowd is because it, they it's like notoriously quiet among opposing players. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So I would agree. Yeah, it's, it's it's not wrong. I mean, you know, I Penn State is a frightening place to be when they're sold out with the whiteout. It is like the coolest atmosphere in sports, and Michigan, Michigan hasn't come close to that, in my opinion. They've they've had good atmospheres, but you know, Ohio State, Penn State, seem to be a little bit louder. Anyway, let's get back to some football. We mentioned we talk injuries. We don't have injury updates. If we did, we'd probably put them VIP on our site. But uh, there are some players who are injured. Rashawn Gary was sounds like it was precautionary, held out, but also it sounds like that might be something that could be a occurrence all year. Like he's never gonna. It's not gonna be something that's one hundred percent healthy. Chris Evans has missed three games, three games now. Yeah. So yeah. so so you can count that as something significant, even though he it sounds like he's practiced. Um, and and Jay Harbaugh mentioned yesterday. He, what was the, was there an exact quote? Just that he expected him to play. Yeah. So So I would, I would anticipate he'll play. I mean, he almost played against Maryland. I mean, he was out practicing pads uh, when they first came out, they go back in the locker room. He came back out in street clothes. So, I mean, it's, you know, I think that's an indication. Anytime a guy puts pads on at all, uh, I think that means that they got to be at least close. So, uh, but again, Maryland, you know, again, who we just got done saying, like Maryland's actually probably all right, but Michigan's just a lot better. No reason to play 
either Evans or Gary. Yeah, yeah. I think Rashawn needed a week off personally. I like, think so too. Um, and you know, I mean, you know, certainly wouldn't want him to run the risk of aggravating something and being out for four weeks. Like you know, it's not uh, that that could change the scope of your season. So Rashawn Gary, Chris Evans, uh, Aubrey Solomon. I think we had one person tweet at us saying he's practicing. I I do think this this week was probably around his timeline. I don't know if that means he plays, uh, but they were kind of looking at it as a because he went from week from out for a while, quote working through something to week to week, and then I think last week he said day to day, which doesn't. You know, probably is more like he's practicing day to day, not that he's going to play in games day to day. But anyway, so he could be back. Uh, Dwum four. Um, we'll what was I the? Would, yeah, what was the know. the phrase was? I think better than we expected. And right. I, if I if I'm not mistaken, because uh, I I was, uh, they all went out. They kind of gave him the season ending treatment when they all went out and like, kind of pat him on the back as he got on the cart and stuff. So. Um, you know, I, generally you see that when they think it's going to be a while, but when Harbaugh comes in and says better than expected, I think that means they anticipate him coming back, just maybe not this week. Right. Carlo, it's hard to know. Yeah. Carlo Kemp, I don't remember what happened with no, him. They no, didn't, they didn't speak specifically on him. Yeah, just kind of like improving. Uh, I, I just don't even remember what the, what the injury was. So um, uh, am I missing any of them? Yeah, four on the defensive line, I, you know, because I think people have kind of talked about it. Like, is this is this more than usual? Six in the two deep, or seven in the two deep, if you want to count Tariq Black. Uh, that's not overly unusual. I mean, we'll talk about Wisconsin. They they're missing a few guys. Uh, three. Wisconsin's more banged up than Michigan is. Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, they're missing. Yeah. They're, they had three defensive ends who played last season who returned to the program this year. All of them are out with injury. Right. And yeah. so, so, you know, and they got two two or three cornerbacks who are dinged up. Um I thought there was one more that was worth passing on. Scott Nelson suspended for the first half of the game for targeting, starting free safety. Uh thought thought maybe there's one more, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, I hope Van, Ginkle, Van Ginkle is questionable. Yeah, he sounds like he's kinda like in the Rashawn Gary camp where it's Yeah, I like, think, but I do yeah, I was just gonna say I expect yeah, like his numbers are down because he's a little dinged up, but he's probably still going to play. And for Wisconsin, more or less a playoff elimination game, probably for Michigan too. I think it's for both teams. Yeah, barring something crazy. I mean, it. I mean, it's got to be because here's the thing: like, you know, it's almost there's. It's really hard to imagine Notre Dame losing more than one game right now. Uh-oh. It's very it's just hard the playoff to rabbit hole. <laughs> well no i mean it's just yeah <laughs> where we're at in the season though i think that it's fair to call this a playoff elimination game i mean i think so well you can't have two losses it hasn't georgia clemson they all have they have cupcake sketch i mean georgia plays an lsu team that i still don't think is as good as what they're ranked right now um you know and and georgia's schedule is a joke still you know i i think you know i'm still of the opinion that a one loss, anybody in the Big Ten, whoever comes out of the Big Ten, whether it's Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, um, you know, Michigan State's not out yet. I don't foresee them running be, the table. But beat some tough yeah, sledding. Yeah, right. Um, Wisconsin, whoever, like 
a one-loss Big Ten champion, in my opinion, should be head and shoulders above a an undefeated Georgia or Clemson, if you actually look at the schedule. So if Georgia goes undefeated and they win the SEC title over Alabama? Well, okay, that, that's yeah. cool. No, I'm sorry. Let me say, let me rephrase. A one-loss uh, a one-loss Georgia. Yeah, if Georgia beats Alabama, then absolutely. And then you know Alabama, even though their schedule has also not really been very difficult at all, they are pretty much they pretty much get a free loss if they want to, just because I feel like they're Alabama at this point. We talked about that before. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and know, I think Clemson gets to be. Oh, their schedule's so bad, though. It is. Just, it is. It well, is, and you know, struggling against the one like eight nine ish win team that they face so far. Yeah, is With notable. Both of them. I mean, they base they squeaked it out against Texas A and M and. Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, A and M might be all right, but they're not like a they're not world beaters. You yeah. Know? The more I think about it, the more I want a sixteen team playoff to really sort all this out. Like I think I mean it's it's I think that's where it's heading. But hope so. again, we don't have to, we don't have to get all the way into that right now. I, just, <laughs> I was gonna say No, oh. but I just thought in the context of this weekend, I do think the loser of this game is is out for sure. I yeah. mean I don't think there's any other way to look at it. Yeah. So anywho yeah, it's a big game. Well, let's let's. Was there more on injuries? Oh, someone asked about the defensive line depth. Um, you know, by now I think the defensive line depth is relatively self-explanatory. Uh, Chase Winovich, Rashawn Gary, Quiddy Pay, and uh, Quiddy's playing some really really good he, football right now. Defensive his, lineman of the week last week. His emergence is. You know, here's, I guess this is one question I thought I was kind of thinking of. I wonder what you thought too. And I know it's kind of, it has been sort of a trendy topic, uh, but I think his emergence maybe lent, makes it so, somewhat of a legitimate question. Oh, Gary inside. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what? Well, you know, him. he's, cap- no, he's capable. Yeah. Uh, it, and it, I don't know, it could be a deal too where it, I don't know, maybe gives, NFL scouts some different film to look at too. I I, I don't know because I have to assume with with a guy like him, uh, you know, he's always got to be cognizant of his future uh-huh. and not and and you know moving inside for a game or two isn't going to do anything negative. I don't think. Matter of fact, I I feel like the positives would much you know would far outweigh the negatives there. Uh, I I think Pay is playing at a level where I think it makes a lot of sense, especially given. You know that Michigan's not a hundred percent, right? In the middle right, right now. Yeah, um, I like it. It's kind of like the Bredesen thing. It's like I like the idea. It makes sense, but I'm also never invited to practice and don't get to see yeah. what that looks like. And <laughs> I think it's a little different on the defensive line than it is the offensive line, though. I think you can shift a guy inside, even for a it's, couple plays. You know, right? There's a lot less transition than it is asking a guard to play offensive tackle all of a sudden. That being said, I mean they did it with Ben Braden a couple of years ago. You know, when they needed somebody, and and Braden played pretty well considering mm-hmm. the circumstances. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I just think I do think it. I do think there's some validity to the conversation. I suppose would be the best way to put it. I just. Um, but that's that's because Quiddy Pay is is playing at at a you know we said before the season he'd probably start for most of the other teams in the conference. I think his play the last two weeks has has borne that out in my opinion. I mean, um, right. he's been really good. 
Yeah, so. yeah. And and so as far as defensive line depth, yeah, it's like those three. Uh, looks like Uche was he? Do I have this right? He was playing some some DN the past two weeks, or did he just like come up on the line? No, I don't. I know if he. I think he had his hands down. Yeah, uh, I mean he definitely did on the final play against Northwestern. Right. I mean he had right. two snaps in a short amount of time. Made a couple plays last week too. He's another guy that's starting to kind of come into his own. Aiden Hutchinson, um, all I don't. I don't know yeah. what what the I, they, no one's talked about him in the past two weeks, but you know all signs point to him being a very very serviceable second string guy. Yeah, inside, I I think they need at least one of those three to come back, or else or else they might might be running some different kind of play sets. But Agreed. Lawrence Marshall's been good. Brian Monet looked good. Both of those guys have been fine. Marshall's played really well the last ever since he. Uh, Came back from, from injury. You know, he that yep. minor, yeah, he had that minor injury. He's come back. He's played really well. I thought he played really well on Saturday against Maryland for sure. And and yeah, so I I, I out of the three, I kind of like almost feel like Carlo Kemp could be the most valuable coming back because one, he's played well, and two, I think it just seems like he's. I don't I know think, if there's a good comparison, I, but he always seems to know exactly what to do. No, I agree. Yeah. Kemp Kemp's also probably their best one against the run. Okay. One four has been really good pass rush wise, but he's been a little spotty against the run. I know Brian Cook pointed that out uh, earlier this week, and mm-hmm. uh, that was something that I noticed too watching the game. Uh, very good pass rusher. I think he's still got a little ways to go in, in defending the run. I think Kemp's maybe a little bit of the opposite. Uh, a guy, and and when you're against Wisconsin, I think it's going to definitely be more important to fill those gaps. And um, yeah, they sure do like to run a lot, don't they? <laughs> yeah, no, they love running the ball. So with that, you know, make make those plays against Jonathan Taylor. So. With with that, we can we can actually sh- switch right into the Wisconsin preview. Uh, spoiler alert: They like to run the ball. Jonathan Taylor. I was telling Steve before the show. If he gets 174 rushing yards against Michigan, he'll have 3,000 rushing yards in 15 games. Just a a surreal sort of thing. You know, it, it, I assume he's going to leave after his third year. I, for his career's sake, I hope he can save those carries for when he's getting paid for it. But, um, you know, and he still could set the Big Ten record for rushing, if even with three years based on the pace he's on. So just really dominant. And then the offensive line. So I mean, they probably do have the three. They have probably the three best offensive linemen in the Big Ten on their offensive line. Because they have three guys projected to be first or second round picks, uh, just and everyone's back. I mean, they have, they have. Oh gosh, let me see if I have this number right. I think it's 163 starts among their offensive linemen. Yeah, no, they brought no, they did. They brought they had a couple guys I think that could have left. I yeah, I can't remember. Is it Deetson? Maybe there were a couple guys that could have left and probably would have been drafted in a decent spot, but they both decided to come back. So yeah. Um, so that's really they're good. Loaded, <laughs> they're loaded for the foreseeable future up front. You know, Wisconsin, if I'm a Wisconsin fan, you know, I think the future there is because they're actually it's it's in the 19 cycle. Uh, it's it's starting to kind of show on the recruiting trail. I mean, they're they're getting Graham Mertz, who Logan I think Brown. Three, I think, yeah, I think Mertz is one of the three or four best quarterbacks in this cycle. Um, and then, yeah, Logan Brown. You know, a sixth player that overall a recruit. Of. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely a future NFL player. Uh, I think he might be the best offensive tackle in the class too. Which I know Michigan fans don't want to hear that. He's, <laughs> he's, he's Kentwood native, but um, 
you know, I think he's a, he's definitely the best player in the state as far as like, in my opinion, as far as future projection goes. So, um, yep. he just looks, he already, he kind of already looks like an, an NFL tackle. Um, yeah. So, by the way, it was Deiter and then Bo, Ooh, Ben, Ben Savelle. Yeah. Bo Wisconsin last name. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Hey man, <laughs> Isaiah Loudermilk is has got the yeah, title no, of most Wisconsin name. <laughs> I said there's gonna like I'm waiting for uh yeah like third and one they're gonna bring in like you know Bill <laughs> Van Dutzenheimer or something you know for third and one you know the fullback with the neck roll or something like just what you think about when you think about Wisconsin that was funny because I asked Evan Flood in our Q and A which is on the site right now about you know what is it about wisconsin that, that especially up front on the offensive line and you know he just he just said it's it's a uh that they take pride in their tradition up there and that they're that they've also it's it's a position where they actually if you look they haven't had to go far no to get yeah. their linemen and that's i think that's interesting you know and like and that i mean it's kind of a, one something that i think we maybe already sort of knew the answer but you know he's you know, he's a guy that covers them every day, so he knows what the pro the program's been built on, and um, you know it is it is interesting in that regard. Uh, Their offensive line, I want to the, the the five starters weigh between three hundred nineteen and three hundred twenty six pounds. Like it is just so unbelievably consistent, like in size and. And their tackles are both six seven. Their guards are both six six, and their center six three. It's like. It's like if you're in Madden, you're just doing like create a player, and it's like just yeah. big, big, thick six six guard. That's all I want, you know. <laughs> it's like, and, and so, ha- and having a great offensive line like that is going to give them a chance mm-hmm. in my in, in almost any game, you know. And like, um, you know, it's just Michigan's hope is if you're Michigan, I mean, do you, do you Jonathan Taylor against Iowa, twenty five carries, one hundred and thirteen yards. I mean, you you would live with that on Saturday if you're Michigan, wouldn't you? I mean, mm-hmm. um. Is that what happened you know, last year? No, that was this this year against Iowa. Oh, Taylor okay. had twenty five carries, one hundred and thirteen. Uh, when they lost to BYU, uh, twenty six for one seventeen. Actually, an almost identical line. Yeah, no touchdowns in either game. So in the two, in the two games, you know that they've had that have been kind of close calls. Uh, you know, he's averaging about four and a half yards a carry, and has had zero touchdowns. And then in the other three games, he's had eight touchdowns and is probably averaging somewhere around eight and a half yards a carry. So, um, you know, their success offensively seems to depend on, on what he does, you know, and that's, uh, shouldn't really be a surprise for anybody. No, <laughs> no, it shouldn't. Uh, definitely a strength versus strength. Wisconsin second nationally in tackles for loss allowed per game. I think they've allowed 14 this year in five games in, in, in Michigan, has had, I believe, 29 tackles for loss in the last three games. You know, they had 14 against Nebraska alone. So, yeah, I'm curious to see. I mean, if, if I recall correctly, Michigan's defensive line did okay last year against Wisconsin. Yeah. At no, least in did. the first three quarters. But that's where that weight and that consistency, you know, because if, if Winovich is getting thudded by a 325-pound tackle – versus a 300-pound tackle all game, maybe that takes more of a toll in the fourth quarter. Well, and Michigan also had uh, a guy named Maurice Hurst last year. You know, I Do you think, think that, that helped? 
<laughs> I think that probably helped a little bit. So, um, and that's the thing is that's where, you know, I, you just, you have to assume that Wisconsin's going to test them in the middle, which is why I wonder, you know, if maybe a little bit of personnel shift there might, I don't know. And I just thought, again, I know it's something that many have mentioned before and, and it's, and it's only, it's only because Quiddy pay has played so well. You know, I just think that he's earned some more snaps, you know, and that Michigan might be, you know, it's like, I think, I just think Gary's a good enough player to where you can look at it and say, Hey, let's just put our four best guys out there. Yeah. And your four best guys include pay and Gary right now. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and, and given the, you know, that, I mean, let's say like, I don't know, let's say two of those three guys play, let's say Kemp and let's just say Solomon comes back again. This is speculation, not even saying he will or might, Let's say even if you put two of those three guys back in there, the odds that they're a hundred percent or that especially in Solomon's case, that he's conditioned properly to play, you know, sixty snaps. A high amount of snaps. Yeah. yeah, high amount of snaps against a legitimate, you know, front line of Wisconsin's is is slim and none, you know. So um I don't know. Whatever. Well, the line is definitely more deep. I guess to whatever the question was, the line depth. I, I, I think you feel a lot better about the second string this year than you did last year, um, mostly because it's like yeah, the same guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the, by the way, they had eight tackles for loss against Wisconsin last year. Yeah. And I, I'd be curious what rate of them were in those first couple quarters when Michigan really looked like the better football team, uh, despite yep. even with a couple pretty bad mistakes – you know they still they looked like they very much belonged in that game against a team that won 13 games. So yep. agreed. Yes. So but Wisconsin I don't think I do think their offensive line and their run game are just as good if not better than last year. I think Alex Hornerbrook is is more efficient. Seems yep. like he's he and, and one thing I noticed, you know, I think Pro Football Focus had this stat where he's averaging over 10 yards per passing target. And AJ Taylor's averaging 19.7 yards per catch. They're taking a little bit bigger risks with their receivers because that line can protect for a little bit longer, so they can do more complicated routes. So it, you know, Hornerbrook is not this mobile maestro, but it will be a challenge for Michigan's cornerbacks and and also the safeties. Jake Ferguson, uh, honestly, I think he's right on pace for as, as good as uh, Troy Fumagalli was. He's like right on pace to have the exact same kind of season as the reigning All-American. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be curious, but it seems like this offense has the experience and it seems like they they know really well what they want to do and it certainly helps that Hornerbrook has cut his interception rate down from what was it 45 4.5% 4, 4. to like 1.3%. So, he's he's become a lot crisper even with taking a little bit more shots down the field. So the offense he's is really, really good. He's, he's really kind of continued his momentum. because He played really well against Miami last he year. He played excellent against Miami. Yeah, yeah, and he's kind of continued that, you know, and that's the thing where, um, I mean, it is. It's I don't know. Is this Michigan's best challenge so far offensively? I mean, I, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, because you look back against Notre Dame and it feels like, you know, 
not to discredit Notre Dame at all, but I mean, there were, it was a few, there were a few 50, 50 plays that maybe kind of decided that game, at least in the context of Notre Dame's offense versus Michigan's defense. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Wisconsin, yeah, I, I think just seems more crisp, as you said, from from top to bottom than anybody else they've well, faced, so, especially up front. Other than Fumagalli, and obviously Quintez Cephas is out. Um, other than that, I mean, they have basically the whole gang back from last year. They they actually do. They return their they return their starting quarterback. They return uh, every running back who had more than twenty five carries. You know, they have every receiver that's not named Fumagalli. They have every first, second, and third string offensive lineman from last year. So, yeah, pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, but on defense, though, and this is where I think we're feeling, you and I are feeling a little bit more confident in Michigan. Wisconsin is now, they not one defensive end that plays on Saturday will have played a game last year. And three of them are redshirt freshmen, another one's a guy who, Sounds like he had some injuries. He just never saw the field in his first three seasons, uh, so he's he's out there now. That's it. That's their defensive ends, and they've combined for they're averaging combined about four tackles per game, and one tackle for loss total in five games. Not no sacks, and in in well, you know Wisconsin's defense is built on its linebackers, and the the linemen kind of set the stage, but still. Major attrition there. And then in the cornerbacks, they lost all four of their cornerbacks who played last year. So, you know, and and one thing, you know, as far as it, the future looks bright, for you know, you mentioned that recruiting, I'll be curious to see how that continues because I think one thing that they might see this year, because I'm, pre- I'm predicting them to lose to Michigan and I'm predicting them to lose to Penn State, and maybe they drop another one along the way, and then you're looking at nine and three. You know, so, you know, when Michigan lost its cornerbacks in 2016, they had Levert Hill and David Long, and right. so you know they had they had a couple top 200, top 150 recruits, uh, you know, guys they felt could be future pros ready to go. Wisconsin isn't quite there yet, I believe. They, I mean, they gave up over 400 passing yards to Nebraska, and Nebraska is they were like just kind of taking their shots and just saying, screw it, we're just going to try to throw. But still, 400 yards is 400 yards. So there are some holes. You know, I like Ryan Connolly a lot. I like TJ Edwards, probably a first-round draft pick next spring. like him a lot. We talked about Van Ginkle. He had double-digit tackles for loss last year. But other than the linebackers and Dakota Dixon... Isn't Dixon... Didn't Dixon leave last week's game, too? Why he is... He he, so Wisconsin... Bless them. They do an injury report. He was listed as probable. Okay, then. All right. Yeah, I, thought, so, I was going to say, I thought he was last game, but they were probably... I think it was like kind of like a Nico so. Collins down and people, sure. like, you know, leave the, sure. leave the game, check it out. Oh, you meant you, you, you did ask me about that, that this week. Some people have asked about players leaving the game more for injury. I just think it's one of those things that you can... Well, one, I think Harbaugh, after a couple of these injuries, has taken a better safe than sorry approach. But then also, I think the medical—they're able to like actually treat you in game now more, and so it's one of those things where if you're kind of dinged up, it's go get treated and then get back out. Like get, you know, if you roll your ankle, go get it taped really quickly and then get it get back out. Um, sure. So I think I think it's just more of a nature of football. They're able to do more 
do more, say less. They're able to do more with huh. these kind of like in-game ding-ups. So why not do more? Um, Knock that one in there. Good job. <laughs> we got a question this week. I know we're not doing much recruiting. <laughs> which which recruit does the most and says the least? Huh, uh, that was funny. I, I chuckled. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if we have one. In there's mind. I, I don't. Yeah, there's no answer. <laughs> I'm just saying. Good. Thank you for that question. That was a good one. Uh, so I I actually think you know, I actually think Michigan's offense is going to do fairly well. They only scored ten points against Wisconsin last year, but I mean. You know, oh, Olive Sagapolu, or however you yep. say his last name, he's yep. he's good as a nose tackle as well. But kind of get the sense that this is, I mean, not a not a defense that Michigan can't handle, especially if they've got fullbacks hurtling people, wide receivers getting open, tight ends yep. making plays, running backs making plays. Like it just seems like this is. It's a litmus test, but there right. is an opportunity for Michigan's offense and, and especially the passing offense. I would think I was, I was to kind of break I think, out. I think I think this is a a prime opportunity for their receivers to maybe have a big a big game against a bit a good team. So, yep. Let's do yep. Let's do over under to to wrap this up, and then you can add any other thoughts. Um, but first, thirty three and a half pass attempts for Shea Patterson. I'm going to say under because I don't know if he's had 30 yet this year. Do you know if he has had 30 yet? I don't think he has. Under either way, I mean, 33 would probably imply that it's some kind of shootout, and I don't really expect it. You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm assuming Wisconsin will have some success against Michigan offensively. I don't think that they're going to, like, put up 30, 40 points or anything crazy like that. And I think that'd be the only way you'd see Patterson throwing them, even with what we just got done talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not Michigan's identity. I um, think they'll score more. I don't think they're going to suddenly be doing these big, long drive or like, you know, 15 drives in a game. Right. Agreed. Uh, so, by the way, the most he has thrown this year was 30 at Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. See, in a game where they were they were losing the whole – you know, they were down almost the whole game, you know, yep. and so that I guess that'd be another way that it's possible, you know, that he would get there is if they get down early and they kind of have to throw the ball to move the ball down the field a little bit faster. He is averaging 23 attempts per game. He had 27 last week against Maryland, a team that really huh. is well, Maryland's much better at the run defense than the pass defense. Right. And I think that right. was that was kind of their game plan all along is like if Patterson's going to make his throws, we'll take our L and go home. Uh, so anyway, we both say under one and a half sacks allowed. They've only allowed one in the last two weeks. I'm gonna. Hmm, do you have an answer ready? What was it again? One and a half sacks allowed by Michigan. Yeah. Over. Okay. I think they get two. Well, they're averaging one point three. Ah, here oh, we go. Wow. Jeez. Or no, uh, I'm sorry. One point two. They've okay. allowed seven yeah, in six games. Injury. I just I do I could foresee them maybe blitzing a lot though on the edges, you know, throwing you know, that's I mean obviously anybody would know that's one of the ways you compensate for not having a great defensive line is you blitz your linebackers a little bit more. And yeah. we just got done talking about, you know, defensively their linebackers are by far their biggest strength. So mm-hmm. um I think they're gonna I think you're going to see them send more guys than they normally would. So 
Yeah, I'm still going to stick with two. Actually, I just think they get two for whatever reason. I don't think it means that the it makes sense. Like it's not, it's like you know two yeah, plays out know, of sixty six. Right. But right. I will I'll say under because Wisconsin only has five sacks this season, and Michigan has allowed seven sacks yeah. in. Yeah, that's, so wow, that's surprising. Yeah, yeah, kind of interesting. But you know that can all change really quickly. Michigan. Oop. Did he ask about a specific player for this one? He said 89 and a half rushing yards. I I can't load it, so we will count it as for the team. 89 and a half rushing yards for Michigan. Well, that I mean, if it's the team, you'd have to go over. I'd be shocked if they didn't get even against. No, they should get over 89. You're talking about Michigan? Or are we talking about Higdon? Wisconsin? Higdon for Higdon. Uh, Ron Higdon, 89 and a half. Gonna. Under. I, okay, under. I'm gonna. Am I really about to? Well, I'll, I'll say. I'll say over. I mean, that's what he's averaging, and I think sure. Chris Evans will come back and probably take away a few of his carries. Wisconsin's good against the run. Well, actually, historically, they're good against the run. They are 81st nationally in rushing yards per carry allowed. Wow, this is weird. You yeah. know, it's like you break down the stats, and you, you, you I mean. Well, that's how it always goes, right? You talk yourself into one thing. I'm terrible at no, predictions this year. <laughs> I mean, is it possible Michigan could could win this game pretty easily? We think. I mean, it is. It feels like that the it's possible in this in this. Instance. Well, I am on the record with an 11 point Michigan win. Okay. So, right. <laughs> so I hope it's possible. You know, if just for the sake of my predictions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's a nine point favorite too. So I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say over for Higdon. That one's kind of iffy. It's really hard to tell what Chris Evans is going to do. Here's an interesting one. 149.5 combined receiving yards for Peoples-Jones, Collins, and Gentry. I... Over. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say over, too. I think... I'm not sure what they're going to do with Gentry as far as, like, how Wisconsin's defense is going to play them, but I, I like... I like Peoples-Jones in a one-on-one matchup because Wisconsin, as of right now, does not have a cornerback that is, like, top 10-ish in the Big Ten. No, I agree. Last one on the offense, 5.5 rushing attempts plus catches from the fullback position. So touches for Mason and Wangler. 5.5 seems a little high. I'm sure they beat that last, you know, but it is one of those like cloud of dust kind of games. Could see some third and yeah, some third and twos, third and ones where they give Mason the ball again. Um, which I think they need to keep doing by the way. I love it. And I think, yeah. and I think, but I think from like as a feature back, not as a, you like him. A, I like him when he gets a little bit of speed going. Yeah. I no, think I that think works. It, I think it makes a little bit of a difference. And, uh, and, and, you know, the right side of the offensive line in particular has been getting better and better against the run, which not a big surprise with uh, Big Mike, who is starting to play better as well, in my opinion. Um, you know, yeah, I I, uh, I, I think I want to say over, actually. Okay, I'm going to say under. Probably good for us to disagree on one so I can try to make a comeback because I'm down by – I'm down 18 to 15 in these scores. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Defense. Oh, wait, you're making me pick first so that you can. <laughs> Fine. I'll I'm pick first that, on this one. <laughs> this is the first one that you've actually, this, that you haven't picked one first yet. 
All right. All right. I can I I think I might have said something first for a couple. But I also well, oh well. Uh defense special teams 129.5 rushing by Jonathan Taylor. 129 under. I think Michigan would take that and I think I think your stat about what he did against Iowa and BYU, I think that's pretty relevant. Those are, I assume those are the best defenses Wisconsin has faced and I I'm also going well, to Nebraska, New Mexico, and I think Western, like Western Kentucky, Kentucky or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I I'll say under. I'll say under. I think Michigan. I I'll have a story on this probably tomorrow. Re- they really seem to like. They had a lot to say about Jonathan Taylor this week. It wasn't like some, like oh he's just a good playmaker. Like they seem to. It sounds like they've really thought about this for a while. How they're going to stop Taylor. So. Um, either that or they are very good at sounding like they've thought about it for a while. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say the under. I I still think he has a good game. It just maybe isn't a you know two hundred yard game that he's used to having. So thirty four and a half yards for Alex Hornerbrook's longest completion. They have they have uh five uh I gotta pull up the stat. They're 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 a pretty good big play offense. You know, we mentioned they're averaging about ten yards per target. He's averaging about 8.4 yards per attempt. They have they have a number of big plays. It seems like AJ Taylor is kind of there. Oh, who was it a couple years ago? Deshaun Hamilton for Penn State. Yep. You know, just go up there and make the play. So 34 and a half. That's I'm gonna say under. Just seems a little high. I don't know. I agree. I don't know much about it, but I, I agree. Uh, and then 6.5 total penalties for Michigan. I'll take the over. It's a tight game. It's a game that's physical. And I think Wisconsin knows how to kind of work the penalties a little bit in their favor. So uh, perhaps perhaps it is a game where Michigan gets a lot of penalties. But maybe Wisconsin gets a good amount too. Agreed. 9.5 second half points for Wisconsin. I'll say... I don't know. That one's a total throwing darts at the wall. I'll say, I'll say over, because I think they'll score. I think they'll score twenty points. So they have to do it in one of the halves or score exactly ten points. Uh, Was it nine and a half? Yeah, that's tough to say under. I mean, that means that means it's basically a they get a touchdown. Yeah, Um, and you get like six or seven drives and a half. Yeah, no, I agree. I'll switch. I'm going to go over as well. I just just based on the odds, you know, I could see them holding them under, uh, but I don't. I don't. That's not something I want to predict. Okay, and then the last one: ten point five havoc plays, defined <laughs> as plays where defense forces a tackle for loss, a fumble, uh, interception, or pass breakup, and ten and a half for those. I. Via does a nice job sending these questions. They're usually pretty close to the average, uh, well thought out. I have no idea <laughs> what what to expect from Michigan, so I'll work through it like it's a consulting interview question. Uh, I'll give it. I'll give them six tackles for loss, two or three pass breakups, uh, maybe one turnover. So I'll say I'll say under. I'll say under, but it's. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I'm probably going to look bad no matter what, what happens. 
Yeah, I'm going to go the same. Okay. So there you have it. Uh, be sure to to check out all of our preview stuff. I have the position-by-position position preview up. Uh, Steve did the Q&A with Evan Flood, who, who does a great job over covering our Wisconsin site. Read his stuff, too. I mean, he's going to give you a probably better insight on Wisconsin than we are. I yep. <laughs> That probably goes without saying. Uh, but, you know, I'll have a stat preview up in just about, well, I, it depends on when you listen. I'll have a stat preview up Thursday night. I keep forgetting that that's, some people listen the next day. Um, lots more, lots more to come. Check it all out, themichiganinsider.com, 247sports.com. Oh, and Steve's, Steve's recruiting coverage. Uh, he's, he's doing a couple things for free, but, you know, if you want the real scoop, go ahead and sign up for a subscription. It's, it's, it's not that much, and, and you get to be in the know uh, with with some scoops and in what what is a huge huge recruiting weekend for the yeah, not Wolverines. A bad, hey, not a bad uh, you know we don't have like any big promos right now, but not a bad time to try the one week trial. I mean, you yeah, know, I wouldn't normally. I'm not usually one to promote the one week, uh, but this is a really really big recruiting weekend. So, um, you know, and I'm also not one like I, I don't know, you know what's going to happen this weekend recruiting wise. But if you just kind of want to get a taste of what having a subscription is like, um, this might not be a bad week, you know, to have a big recruiting weekend, uh, and then heading into Michigan state next Saturday. So, um, might be an op- an opportune time, uh, to just give the one week trial a try and, and see what you think. So. One thing you can also do if you subscribe, this is not usually a selling point, but you know, join the discussion. There's going to be, it's going to be a big week for, for discussing Michigan football, uh, either way. But I think we both, are you predicting Michigan to win? On Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Okay. I mean, it's at night. Uh, I think Michigan's starting to play good football. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I guess I look at it like this. I don't really see, especially defensively for Wisconsin, I don't really see where where do they have such a huge advantage that you would predict them to, to win on the road. If this was in Madison, I mean, it'd probably maybe be different, but, you know, Big house will be pretty pretty loud, I would assume, and uh, so I don't know. I, I would I would definitely predict Michigan to win. I'm not sure if they're going to cover based on where the line is right now, but I think they'll come close to covering if they don't. Yeah. So anyway, win or lose, lots of discussion as well, and and Michigan's recruiting it seems like it's starting to starting to turn into a pretty sound class, and this weekend could change that a lot. And there's some 2020 recruits to keep an eye on as well. So anyway, check it all out. Subscribe if you like. Uh, or just check out all, all of our stories at 247sports.com slash Michigan, themichiganinsider.com. For Steve Lorenz on the phones, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. 